is Dumb Athletics, a husband and wife podcast where one sports nut and one sports butt recap sports documentaries in the latest sports news. I'm Heather. And I'm Jeff. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about the documentary You Don't Know Bo, and it was on ESPN+. Plus. It's one of the 30 for 30s. And before this documentary, I did not know Bo you at did, all. You did not. <laughs> and it, contrary to popular belief, I don't know how you don't know him because he's one of the greatest sports stars of the 80s and early 90s. Well, my family did not watch sports at all when I was growing up, so that's definitely part of it. That is true. Um, I will say my qualifications for talking about sports, um, I played all kinds of different sports growing up, baseball, soccer, basketball, and then high school and college football, and now I coach high school football for a part-time gig, I guess. And my qualifications for being a sports butt is... I played a bunch of sports when I was a kid and then still did not retain any knowledge on most of them. That is a true statement. Except basketball. (laughs) Uh, I've had to teach her football about four times and she still doesn't understand it. I'm still constantly asking questions and I go to every game. I never know what's going on. That is true. So what did you think of You Don't Know Bo? It was really good, honestly. Like, I like fell in love with the dude like he just seems like a genuinely nice guy and i was nervous the whole documentary thinking what did he do wrong why are you making me fall in love with this guy i'm so stinking nervous i kept like running into our office going oh my god what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and because I just I was kept, so scared. I just kept telling you, just keep watching, just keep watching. Because <laughs> obviously I know I know what happens because I've seen it two, three times and I know the the legacy of what Bo Jackson is. But uh, I just had to keep telling just keep watching, just keep watching. I'm not going to tell you what happens. <laughs> so let's get talking about him. So Bo Jackson's real name is Vincent Edward Jackson. I don't know where they got Bo from. I don't know either. Don't ask me that. Um, He's... Dubbed by many people in the documentary as the greatest athlete of the 20th century, which I feel like after seeing this is super accurate. He was definitely one of the few people that played two uh, professional sports and was able to do them very, very well. Like I will say that. Successfully. Like, yeah. he's a living legend. Yeah. So, what sports did he play? So, he played football and baseball. Um, he ended up playing getting hurt during football and that kind of ruined both of his careers yeah, which but, we'll get into yeah we'll get into that but yeah it was football and baseball both for the um, kansas city royals and baseball and then ended up playing for the la raiders for football and we are going to talk about his journey starting with him as a kid which everything is really anecdotal everyone talks about him like he's like paul bunyan or johnny appleseed or just like some enigma. Yeah, the beginning of the documentary was like, it's all all of his old coaches and all of his old kind of people from around town and stuff, and the, just giving stories about, oh, well, he did this and he did that. Like, one of them, he jumped over a Volkswagen. Yeah. And then the him throwing ap- uh, crab, apples. crab apples and through screen doors because he threw so hard. There was literally a 
little anecdote that said that he killed a minister's pig or possibly a boar by throwing rocks at it. Yeah, that's that's a lot. But it's okay. It's, he's still a good dude. Yeah. We don't actually know if that happened, and he did not mention it at all in the documentary. He definitely didn't. I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Like, oh yeah, I killed a, I killed a pig when I was a kid. So... Where he grew up, it was in a small town called Bessemer, Alabama. Um, he was one of, what, like 10 kids? 10. He said, I think they said 10 kids. That, I mean, you have nothing. You come from nothing. When you, and and they, it was a single family or a single parent home. Yeah. Dad wasn't around. It was all mom. It was mom and 10 kids. And that's crazy. On top of this, he struggled with stuttering as a kid. So that made him super shy and introverted. And then also angry because people were making fun of him. Nope. Which it did piss me off later in the documentary. Someone called him a bully because like he would fight because people are making fun of him. And I'm like, excuse you. He was the one being bullied. Nope. So he felt, he said he felt like an outsider and he just didn't fit in anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, part of that is, I mean, growing up, if you don't have... I mean, a whole lot of money, you're not playing sports, and you're introverted, and you don't have friends, and, I mean, you, you kind of live that life of just, you're, you don't f- feel like you fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, when he was growing up, it was, what, like, the 60s and 70s? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a black man growing up in the South also probably couldn't have been good either. Yeah, probably wasn't. So, um, they kind of fast forward to high school, and he goes to Macadori High School, his baseball coach was terry Brasil. he seemed like a really nice dude um and pretty much all he says is he was a big dude like <laughs> he's a big guy he was 215 pounds as a high schooler mm-hmm. and he pointed him out one time and was just like oh who's the maintenance worker mm-hmm. and someone was like that's a student yeah he was doing his summer workouts and they pointed him out and said that's a that's a student. They said, he played baseball? And they said, yep. And he said, thank God they play baseball. In addition to baseball in high school, he also played football where they said he played on offense, defense, kickoff, punt, and kickoff return, which are a bunch of terms that I have heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <yep. laughs> but they are not super specific on the position. Um, however, track was his first love mm-hmm. of sports, and he set multiple state records. For, what was it, triple jump and high jump? Yeah, high jump, he jumped six feet eight inches, which is a lot. And they were talking about how heavy the pole was. The pole was almost as heavy as he was. And he was just carrying it like it was no big deal. So then we kind of run into, um, well, one of our talking heads that was really bugging me was this writer named Chuck Klosterman, who kept saying, athlete, which was just weird, but... Mm. He talks a lot about Bo throughout the entire documentary and sticks with us the whole way. But we get kind of into his senior year of baseball and a super scout for the Yankees comes Mm. to watch him. What is a super scout? I've heard of scouts. I I don't know what a super scout is, but I'm assuming they go to high school practices and stuff and try to see young talent. Because high school kids get drafted to the MLB all the time. And I mean, it happens every year it's just they were probably there to look at him because he was so well known yeah so um he came after practice and the coach was like "Uh uh-uh like we're done practicing for today come back another time Mm 
Yeah, and the guy said that Steinbrenner had told him personally to come down and see him, and then Bo kind of overheard him, and he was like, that's all right, coach, I'll, I'll hit a few balls. And, I mean, he was nice enough to do that yeah. for the dude. Who and was Steinbrenner again? Steinbrenner was a coach for the New York Yankees. Okay. And he was kind of the one that got them a bunch of World Series rings and kind of... So he, super successful. Pretty much. So um, with him practicing, he's like, okay, I'll do two pitches, two hits. Mm -hmm. And he ended up making the cage collapse. Yeah, he hit a ball and it hit the pole in the cage and it shook it. And then he hit the second one, hit another pole or the same pole or something, and the whole cage collapsed on him. And the guy said, I've seen all I needed to see. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably unheard of i don't know if anyone would do that normally those are pretty sturdy like that just doesn't even sound real yeah. so the yankees wanted to recruit him straight out of high school which like you said is super common nope. um they offered him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they said it would keep going up until he signed it like they would keep offering him more and more and more money nope and sometimes that happens you get a good enough athlete and you throw enough money at them and they'll play your sport i mean just hearing like, one, he's coming from poverty, or at least, like, a really low income. Like, you would think he'd be like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, I'll take $250,000 or 500000 or whatever. Like, set my whole family up with something good and, yeah, and be successful. Would, and that would have been the way to, to get his family out. But mm -hmm. he chose not to take it. He turned the Yankees down. Yep. Which, um... The coaches mentioned that he, his whole family, they're poor, obviously, but they were, like, fiercely proud of themselves. And, like, they knew he was college-bound. Like, he's a smart dude. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like to play multiple sports and really have a handle on them, you have to be smart. Nope. And I think the thing fast-forwards to Bear Bryant showing mm -hmm. up at his mom's house, right? Yes. So, Bear Bryant was the Alabama... University of Alabama or Alabama University? Yes. You know, normally people say University of Alabama. Well, I wasn't sure which one it was. I knew it was Alabama. Yeah. Um, and so Bear Bryant was like the dude at Alabama. The and, head football coach. Yeah. And so, I mean, he, I think it said on the thing, it was six national championships. And I mean, he was, he was, he was legit. Like a really good coach. Yeah. They, and so he sent people down to his mom's house, and he said he walks in after baseball one day, and mom's sitting there with the, uh, a, a white guy, guy. <laughs> a, a guy from Alabama, and the guy says, "I know you're being recruited by Auburn, and um, you they haven't beat Auburn in the last nine years, and or they haven't beat Alabama in the last nine years, mm -hmm. and and they'll never they'll beat never, Alabama. They'll never beat Alabama." And, I mean, to hear that, I mean, most people would say, wow, like, nine years, mm -hmm. that's a lot. And it takes a different individual to hear that and go, okay, like, I, yeah. I've heard all I need to say from, or all, all I've heard, need to hear from you. But he also said that he probably won't get to play until the end of his sophomore year. Yeah, which, end of sophomore year, junior year, which, yeah. I mean, if you're you're a high school kid, I mean, it's hard to hear that you're not going to play until sophomore, junior year. 
But, I mean, that's kind of how it works now. And you, you go to a college, you end up redshirting your freshman year. You What is redshirting again? For redshirting is... And for our listeners that might not know. You're on the practice squad, basically. You don't suit up for games. Normally, you don't travel with the team to far away games. You're just kind of there. And, okay. But... Um, then, I literally thought it was you wore a red shirt for something. I don't know. Red no. shirt just sounds weird. Just call them a non-starter or something. No, no that's basically what it means. They're so a non-starter. They're, they they don't play, and so um, he they, he probably had to red shirt his freshman year, and then um, normally you play sophomore year, but you're technically a freshman in eligibility standards because you didn't play, uh, and so now you get to play sophomore junior year when people start graduating moving on mm-hmm. and so i mean they told him that and he was like no i kind of want to play right now and so and i mean he was a good athlete like yeah. i mean it seems like he could play every position yeah. at least that's what it sounded like they didn't really get into how he played in high school yeah. so then what happened next then the um, he said he came home from baseball one day and he, and then he said there was two white guys sitting in his kitchen with his mom and they were from the university of Auburn. And one, one of, of them was the head coach Pat and Dye. Pat die. And so he, um, tells them, Hey, we want you at university of Auburn and you're going to play as a freshman and you should come here. And like, he literally said, I will give you every opportunity to play and start as a freshman, which I feel like they were like, let's gamble. Let's recruit. Let's get this kid who's fresh and new, but looks really good. And then let's take him and start him. Because, like, what do they have to lose? They lost to Alabama for nine years. Nope. And that's their biggest rival, right? Nope. Alabama. Okay. Alabama, Auburn's very big rivalry. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, Bo said, I'm going to Auburn. He said, sign me up. That's where he wanted to go anyway. Because he wanted to stay in state. Mm -hmm. And Alabama, obviously, clearly didn't give him a good offer. No. But ended up going to Auburn. From 1982 to 1985. Yep. Which is interesting. Only three years. And he played football and played baseball. And he was... Pretty good at both of them. He was the 85 Heisman Trophy winner, which is a big deal for college. Yep, definitely. I mean, it's the best award you can get in college football. Does that just mean you're, like, the best player, or what does it mean? So, normally, there's three to five finalists for Heisman, and you, the media, and everybody kind of votes, and you get voted the best college football player in the country. Okay. And so he he was the 85 Heisman winner, and that was his junior year. <laughs> Which is crazy. So, like, he didn't make it to his senior year. Nope. Um, you know, like, I mean, you probably obviously know why. <laughs> yeah. And so he um, took a visit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after his football season, before his senior year of baseball. And he... Um, they told him that it was okay. They had checked with everything. He was, um, they wanted to make sure he was eligible and stuff. So they told him that they checked and it was okay. And they, um, yeah. And so they, um, but it turned out they hadn't called anybody. And so the, 
uh, Tampa Bay kind of screwed him over a little mm-hmm. bit, and it was almost everybody started to think that they were trying to make him ineligible for baseball so he wouldn't get drafted, mm-hmm. and that they they could take him with the first overall pick, and he would have to play football because yeah. nobody wanted him for baseball. Now, why is that that he couldn't go on a tour? Like they're trying to recruit him. It's not like he was playing for them while he was playing at. Um, Auburn. No, and it's a, a the big thing is like taking tours and visits for college. Normally, it's kind of different to where um, if you're a high school athlete and the college can't pay for anything because it rules you ineligible for going to that college or that you accepted benefits from the NCAA. And there's a whole big old thing that. It, we really don't have time to get into. Yeah, because these kids work their asses off and don't get paid for it, but yeah. their likeness gets used. But yeah. well, that's not what we're talking about today. It's, it's different now. But anyways, the um, so as a college athlete, the um, the NCAA said that he couldn't go professional in one sport and still be an amateur in another sport. And so the second that Tampa Bay paid for his trip down there, it made him a professional football player. He took the um, head coach's jet. Yeah. And so the second that they paid for his trip down there, it kind of made him a professional football player. And then he can't come back and be an amateur in baseball. Which sucks because it's not like he even played for them. Like, that is a really, like, fine line. Yep. And And that pissed me off. Yeah, so that ruined his eligibility for his senior year of baseball. This poor sweet man literally cried. Like, and I was crying with him. Like, I just, I felt for him. Because he just wanted to play his sports and do his thing and be in college and play his sports. Yep. And so he decided that he, what, told Tampa Bay that, don't waste the draft pick on me because... Yeah, draft me, but you're going to waste your pick. Yep, because he told him he wasn't going to play for him. And, I mean, we've seen people do that all the time. That's Not... like a thing? Yeah, it has been a thing. Um, I don't remember who the first one to do it was. Um, but it might have been Brian Bosworth. But um, basically, you tell somebody, I don't want to play for you, don't draft me. And so they don't end up drafting you. And so... Um, Okay. But or or they end up they do draft you like this situation and then like the one of the most recent ones I can remember was the um, NFL draft where Eli Manning got picked by the Chargers and went and told his daddy I don't want to play for the Chargers and so then they had a whole thing with the trade on draft day for Philip Rivers and which but, just to um, add into this Jeff is a lifelong Chargers fan yeah. And so, so this probably upset you. Well, <laughs> it would have. I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm know not how a huge Eli. Feel. I'm not a huge Eli Manning fan, but the fact that he won two Super Bowls and the Chargers got none, and that, that that's not the greatest feeling. Totally. But, um, but yeah, people people say every now and then they're like, I don't want to play for this team. I want to play for this team, and or mm-hmm. or they say, don't draft me because I'm not going to come play for you because of the market or who they think they are, or how popular totally. they think they are, and stuff like that. Can so. we back up a little bit to mm-hmm. talk about some of his high school, uh, not high school, college football achievements? Because mm-hmm. we did kind of skip over that. Mm-hmm. So in 1982, it was that. Iron Bowl. Yep, and that was his first game that he played Alabama. Yeah, and it was Auburn versus Alabama, like super high stakes, obviously rivalry. Yep. 
and Alabama has won, what, nine years in a row? Yep. They were trying to go for ten years in a row. And they kept saying something like, why don't we go over the top? Which I'm like, what, what are you talking about? What are you meaning? Yeah. And that's <laughs> basically like they, they were on the one yard line or two yard line. And if they go right or left, I mean, they're not going to. They may not get into the end zone because they're trying to run around the outside and people can tackle him. But, I mean, he, he literally told him I was a high jumper in high school and I've let me let me go over the top. And so he went in. And that's one of the mo- one of the more well-known plays of his career. Are you saying he jumped over somebody? Uh, he jumped over the whole line. And then because <laughs> like, I saw I mean, it, but like I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't really know what's going on. Like, I'm just seeing a pile of people. I mean, he kind of jumped over him and he kind of fell a little bit. But <laughs> I mean, he went over He's the top and scored. I mean, he, that's all that matters. Because yep. he was a running back, yep. which are the people that score the points. Sometimes. A lot of the time, right? Sometimes. I mean, them and wide receivers, right? Sometimes. Am I right on that? I don't know. I mean, most for the most part, Which, yeah. By the way, this whole documentary did not tell you what position he played at all. So if you're watching it and don't know what's going on, you have to kind of deduce or ask somebody, which rude. Um, deduce. Deduce. <laughs> <laughs> like, deduce it. Figure it out. Do some... Sherlock Holmesing. I mean, he played running back. I mean, okay. everybody knows uh, Bo Jackson played running back. I didn't know who Bo was. Oh, I, I know who he is now. I'm a big fan of Bo. That sounds like a you problem. Anyway, so there was my favorite part was this heartwarming footage of just him hugging his mom after they won. And like, he's crying. The coach is crying. Everyone's crying. And they're like, oh, he gave them hope. He gave them hope. Yeah. Which I think is really amazing and sweet and... Like, he was just this pillar of hope for Auburn. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and then, I mean, going back to him getting into the NFL. Um, now that we're kind of... Yeah, and so <laughs> the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he told them, don't draft me, I won't play for you. And In the was, 86 draft, they drafted him, right? And they drafted him number one overall. And for, which means he was the first one picked... In the first round. Out of everybody. Which, nope. I mean, why, w- why wouldn't you pick him? Mm-hmm. Except if you're Tampa Bay. Yep. So Tampa Bay picks him, and he says, have fun, I'm not playing for you. And Like, no response. He, he didn't play for him. So, so then, then, three days before the baseball draft, Bo's agent calls the Kansas City Royals, which is a professional baseball team. And he requests to... For Bo to meet the team, the staff, and, like, see their stadium and their whole setup. Mm. Which, I mean, I don't know. Is that, like, a thing people do? Like, with their agents? I mean, this kid has an agent. Like, I mean, you're an agent that makes you a professional. And the fact that his agent's calling teams to try and get him drafted. I mean, it's it's not a... It's not an uncommon thing to go take visits and have... Um, like meetings and stuff with the owners, see if you're a good fit. But I mean, this is a little different that considering he was already drafted in the NFL and then now he's trying to play baseball and it's a little different. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen of someone playing two professional, like trying to play or be in two professional sports at once. It's a little more common now because I mean, people have been drafted for a while. I mean, most it's mostly quarterbacks that get drafted and 
Um, for what? For baseball and their pitchers or their okay. like. I think Russell Wilson plays shortstop or third base or something, and um, he got drafted. Um, Tom Brady got drafted a while back. For um, baseball? One of the most recent ones was uh, Kyler Murray for the um, Cardinals. I mean, he, he's their quarterback right now, and the, the A's tried to take him number eight overall. And they told him he was going to make a lot more money playing baseball, and he chose to play football. Because so, uh, he could get injured a lot more in football well, than baseball. It didn't really work out because he kind of sucks right now. And so the Kansas City Royals took took him in the fourth round, and he started playing baseball. Yeah, and they people were pissed off. Yep. Like big bad. Yeah, because I mean you're number one overall draft pick, and I mean you you end up going fourth round in the MLB, and. Then, I mean, the way that the MLB works is you, you kind of play for their farm teams for a while, and then you kind of rise your way up, or uh, rise up through the ranks, and I mean, now you might spend three or four years down the lower the lower levels, and except if you're super, super good, and I mean, people were telling them you ain't going to be nothing, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're going to get lost in the system type thing, and... And, like, the owners of the Kansas City Royals were pretty wary of even drafting him, because football like Tampa Bay offered him so much money he would have been the highest paid football player ever at that time in the 80s like he probably would have been making millions of dollars just in like 1986 and then uh because he was that good yeah because he signed for a three-year contract for just over a million dollars and then it says that he played 53 games with the Memphis Chicks which is the double-A team, and then he got called up. I mean, that's not even, like, half of MLB season. So that means he was showing them something that he got he got called up that fast. That's crazy. So um, he had a huge press conference after he signed with the Royals, and it was, like, the biggest one that they ever had. Like, they said more than what, like... It was, like, a World Series-type media day-type thing. In Kansas City. Yeah. And... He was just like, oh, I'm. he's a still a pretty shy dude. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go practice and get ready for baseball. Which this dude, they mentioned earlier in the documentary, he was not one to practice. Like, he, he was not a workout dude. He was a, I do my um, hunting with my bow and that's my workout. And then I'm going to sling a deer on my back. But he was going to go do batting practice. And he hit the ball over the center field wall mm-hmm. and hit the crown on top of the scoreboard because the Royals, they have a crown on top of their scoreboard. And it's really high up. It's way up there. So that was something. It was like literally his first or second hit out there. And this legendary baseball coach named Buck O'Neill said that he'd only heard that sound th- off of a bat like three times in his entire life. And it was with Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, who I don't know who that is. I don't even know Some who that baseball is. guy. And um Bo. Yep. So that's really cool. Um he debuted in the Major League Baseball in on September 9th, nineteen eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. Um his first hit in the game, he hit over the foul pole 
What is a foul pole and where is that? The foul poles are the big yellow poles that are in the in the corners okay. of the of the ballpark. But he hit over it. Nope. And so people were like, Oh, it's in, it's good and the umpires were like, uh no. Which I, mean, I, I don't know. It's over it? I in, would feel like, I don't know. In a baseball game, it's, I mean, a lot of the stuff is up to the umpires, and so they decide that it's not in, it's not in. And... But the second ball he hit was like a ground ball, mm-hmm. and he, to second, and he beat the ball, like, just by running to second base. Which, that's Which... hard to do, especially if you're... A baseball player, but I mean, he he's a football player. He's got extra weight on him, and he beat beats a ball out to to first base. I mean, that means he's really really fast. So he's fast. He's strong. He's everything. Yep. And that said, like the documentary said that his first home run in the league was the longest home run in Kansas City's stadium's history. Yep. Which, that means it went, like, the farthest, and mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, like, and they, they got a whole way of determining how far balls go. If it hits a certain point in the stadium, they measure how the angle it was coming down, and they, they measure, like, where it would land, and they got a whole system. But, I mean, to hit a, to hit a, the furthest ball in the stadium's history, I mean, I don't know. And he's, he's young. He's, this is 1986, he was in college just up until early 86 right 85 85 86 so he's 21 maybe 21 22 like he's a baby yeah he's a little baby and so then 1987 comes and um his agent calls and says hey you still want to play football i mean i mean that was the sport he got drafted to do and so the uh I mean, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play football. And at that time, Kansas City, or not Kansas, Tampa Bay, they were like, man, this guy's not going to play for us. We're going to renounce his rights. So what he was What does that mean? So when you... Like, was he still, like, technically not owned, but, like, kinda, owned yeah. I mean, by Tampa his, Bay? His player rights were kind of owned by Tampa Bay. And so, so that when, means he couldn't play for any other team if someone else was like, ooh, we want you? So that's what happened in, a couple years ago with Rob Gronkowski. He retired. He was still under contract with the Patriots when he retired. And then he came back. And um, then the Patriots still kind of not owned him, but they owned him playing football. That just sounds like slavery. <laughs> it's not slavery. It's, it's sports slavery. I mean, they gave him. I mean, they gave him the I mean, money for it, and so I mean. But, that, they, but at this time, like not for Rob Gronkowski, obviously, but like for Bo, were they paying him, or is it just like mm, we own you, bitch? I mean, not that he's a bitch. It it depends what they gave him, but I mean, when you get drafted, you go to that team, and so. When they decided, oh, he's never going to play for us, they kind of renounced his rights to the to back to him so other teams could draft him. Okay. And so then the Raiders took him in the seventh round. Which they were the Los Angeles Raiders they at the were, time. And... I know them as the Oakland Raiders because mm-hmm. I only knew that from dating you. <laughs> and now they're the Vegas Raiders? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're just traveling all over the place over here. Yep. And um, so the... They picked um, him up in the seventh round. Seventh round, and it, he wanted to go to Oakland, or the at that time L.A., because um, 
Al Davis told him that he could play both. Al Davis, the owner of the Raiders, old owner of the Raiders. Right now, his son's the owner of the Raiders. He's the oh. guy. He was the guy with the stupid looking bowl cut. Oh, a little family legacy. Love that for them. But um, uh, unless we don't, then... uh, we don't because they're in the Chargers division. Not... I know. But um, yeah. So he, Al Davis, told him that he could play both. He could play baseball because that was what he wanted to do, and then he could join the team during the season when baseball was over so Bo literally said like anything after baseball season is a hobby i can have lots of hobbies and he said this in a press conference and people were like wait a minute this guy is going to be playing professional football as a hobby no so one of his teammates is this guy named howie long who has this really square looking haircut and has been in like a zillion commercials he's got a square looking head too (laughs) sorry guy um but he was, like, the only person I recognized. <laughs> I was like, that guy from the commercials. I don't know what commercials, but he's been in commercials. Yep. Um, but he was one of his teammates and spoke very highly of him. Yep. So, NFL is his off-season hobby. Yep. And so, I, <laughs> I think it said that he joined him, like, week eight in the season. Because, oh. I mean, you figure that baseball ends in... Um, October, if you make the postseason, and then which the Royals the when posts. they had when they had drafted him were the reigning World Series champions. Oh, I didn't know that. And so, um, so the postseason is like the World Series, World like Series, and all, that ends all the in, big games. Yeah, that that ends in October, maybe early November, depending on how long it goes. But um, it's as far as like football. Football starts in September, and so I mean you're missing September, October. And so you show up about week week eight, week nine, and you, you haven't even played a down of football, and you're expected and he hasn't to played go. In, a few, in now at least a year. Yep. So it's 1987 now. Like he's hasn't played in a year or two. Yeah, and so the he joined them in week eight against the Patriots, and he had 37 yards on eight carries, probably because they didn't want to use him too much because he was brand new to the sport at that point i mean within his first month of his nfl career people were like oh he's arguably like the best running back in the nfl yep and they talk a lot about his rookie season on monday night football against the seattle seahawks in week 12 november 30th 1987 yep and so they it's like the most memorable bo jackson game like i think this is the one that people remember that's the one everybody remembers because everybody knows who brian bosworth is except me (laughs) which you'll see this is a pattern (laughs) i know no one except michael jordan and so Brian Bosworth was big dude, big time dude coming out of Oklahoma, and he had big few, white dude with some funky hair. Yep, and he had a few issues of his own getting out of um, college and trying to get to the NFL, and, which we won't get into. And so he, I mean, he's a larger than life personality. He learns that they're playing Bo Jackson, so he starts kind of talking some smack. He's talking shit. And so he, it says he insulted him and. He told him, like, I, I'm going to tackle him, and he's not going to do nothing in this game. And then they ended up running him over. And Bo, he, to get in the end zone, Bosworth goes to tackle him. Bo just ran him over. And literally, this is how, like, Bo described it. Is he was, like, he was running with the ball, because he's a running back. So he's, like, has the ball running towards the end zone. Full speed. Oh, wait, th- this was before he ran Bosworth over. Oh, but okay. he, um... 
He can't hear the crowd. He just hears wind rushing by his ears. Mm-hmm. Like, he's running that fast. And he's still running full speed through the end zone. And still going. He's like, I can't stop. I'm going to hurt myself. So these doors open up at the end of the end zone in well, the wall. He didn't want to run into the wall. And there was a tunnel. Mm-hmm. There was a tunnel next so to the wall. So he ran through the mm-hmm. tunnel to the very back wall of the tunnel. And finally was able to slow down and stop. And, like... Obviously, he scored. No one could catch him. Yeah, I think that was his uh, 91-yard touchdown that he had. Yes. And his teammates followed him in. They're like, come back. We're not done. Keep doing that. Like, they're so cute. Oh, my goodness. I loved them. Yeah, so he runs over Bosworth later in the game. And, I mean, that's... At the goal line. That's that's something that everybody kind of knows Bo Jackson for and kind of knows Brian Bosworth for, to be honest. What is their size difference? Like, are they similar in size? Um, So, like... And also, like, what was the setup where was... Bow on offense or defense like I I watched it but I don't know who's on what I mean obviously running backs are on offense oh duh and so <laughs> well he they said he could play any position it felt and, like and, but on when you get to the NFL you normally only play one oh and so then I mean Bosworth is that the same with baseball <laughs> uh kind of it's very confusing like he's doing too much and so I mean in the was... best way yeah so they're close in size, right? Uh, I would no? say I would say Bosworth's probably a little bit bigger, but Bo. I mean, they, they talk about how big his legs was, were and, and how like how powerful he was. I mean, he he could probably run over anybody, and depending on who it was, and but, he was fast. I mean, but Bosworth was a big dude, and he ran him over like it was nothing. And as they said, like Bosworth was marketing himself as what he was going to do to Bo Jackson, yeah. and Bo's you know just this nice dude. Like I'm gonna play football. And they, like, after Bo Jackson ran over him, they were like, oh, this is like a fight of good and evil and good one, which is just so wild that that's how they were labeled. But I guess, like, Bo was seen as, like, the good the good boy of football. I don't know. And then the, <laughs> the, I, one of the quotes that they said in the, the documentary was that was kind of the end of Brian Bosworth, because, I mean... He later went on to get hurt, and then that was kind of the end of his career. And then they said that was the, kind of the validation of Bo Jackson, was showing that he didn't just play baseball. I mean, he was a football player, and he could he he could do it. They kept saying in the documentary that he it's it didn't feel real. Like he doesn't feel like a real person. Like he's the biggest, strongest, and fastest person in Major League Baseball. He was the biggest, most powerful running back in the NFL, and apparently. At the Combine. Mm-hmm. We've watched that. <laughs> he ran the fastest 40 at 4.2 seconds. So, that I don't... That was probably hand-timed at that point. I don't I mean, know. That's what they said. I mean, the... I would believe it with how fast I saw him run on the TV. I mean, the Combine now, the the 424... Can you explain what the Combine is? So the Combine is where, before you get drafted, you go and you basically showcase all your skills for, so, for so all the So it's like an athletic showcase. Kind of. And so... Like, do you show off your throwing? Yeah. You clearly show off your running. Do you mm-hmm. show off jumping? Like, tackling? Yeah, like... They do high jump, long jump. Um, do they but... do this for every sport? Uh, football does it mostly. Um, okay. Basketball has like the, it's not. I don't think they call it a combine. It's like a, like a workout day, and so they bring all these people in. They test the. They're called measurables. They test your measurables so, to see okay. kind of how big, strong, tough you are, and 
um, football does bench press, they do um, 40, they do, I mean, the, it, it's all these little things that basically to show coaches like how athletic you are and how, how well you hold up against somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he he didn't have the fastest 40, I'll tell you that. Um, it said so. It was probably... At the time. At the, the time, it was probably a 4-2 something. I mean, it was probably higher than a 4-2-4 because... Chris Johnson and um, played for the Titans. He um, what year? Uh, Years. Eighties, nineties, today. Late two thousands, early twenty tens. Um, he ran a four two four, and then it was broken. I don't know, five six years ago by um, John Ross. So and at he the ran time, four two two. At the time, he was probably at the, the time it was the fastest, but obviously, I mean, like obviously, it's been beaten today because yeah. people are bigger, stronger, faster. But I mean, dude was a freak and played running back. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, the thing about this whole thing is that they jump back and forth between football and baseball, obviously, like he was. So, we jump to the 1989 All-Star Game, Mm -hmm. um, Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which is when they um, get all the best players. Mm -hmm. Do you have to be nominated for that? Yeah, and so so it's like a voting thing that you get voted into the All-Star Game. I mean, that's the same as any other sport. I wouldn't know that because i heard all-star game and i was thinking celebrities (laughs) i was like well i guess he's technically because he plays two sports Uh, it's all the all the players and baseball they used to have um they used to play for something and so the the all-star game had a meaning and so they would play for um home field advantage in the world series i was hoping you were gonna say for a charity no so national league american league the they would play whichever all-star team won that's who had home field advantage in the world series that's who would host game one and game seven and so but they get all the best players and they they play a game and i mean it's all the best people and these he they said he was leading off, which that means does that mean he starts the game off hitting? It means he hits first. And I he's mean, never in, done that before. In, in the batting order, you hit first. Okay, so he said he's never done that before, and he was against this low sinker ball pitcher, mm-hmm. which is it looked like they were like throwing really low, almost to the ground mm-hmm. balls. So you don't hit it, but he's he. They called him a low hitter. Yeah, dude wasn't a submarine pitcher, but he's he, he was throwing low and. His name was Rick Rochelle. Yeah, Rochelle, yeah. not Rochelle. Um, and he threw the same ball twice. Is mm. what um, Bo said. The first one he missed, which was like kind of sad. And then the second one, he said he took a golf swing at it. Mm. And he hits it up and like away and it's this home run, which I guess is a pretty big deal in the All-Star game to hit a home run off of someone that's also like the best pitcher. (laughs) Normally pitchers who start the All-Star game are one of the best or if not the best. Yeah. And there was, Ronald Reagan was at the game. He had just finished his presidency and he was commentating on the game and some the announcer that was with him they were like talking and he not ronald reagan but the announcer guy whose name i missed um said and bo jackson says hello which i thought was really cute (laughs) because it's like he's been saying hello this whole time he's been showing you that he's here but everyone was like in awe of him so then they kind of jump to this Nike campaign he has, hmm. which honestly, they showed the commercial. It was super duper fun. Bo knows. 
<laughs> well, I didn't know Bo. Apparently. Bo does not know me. Nope. <laughs> but, um... The commercial played during the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you're just seeing this guy everywhere. And like, this commercial is so cute. It's, he's playing football and this football player turns around and is like, Bo knows football. And then he's playing baseball, obviously, and like, Bo knows baseball. And then he's playing basketball and Michael Jordan turns around, excuse me, and says, Bo knows basketball too. And then there's... Bono's tennis and there's like a huge question mark and then Bono's running and then there's this hockey player and Bo's like in the mix of the hockey and the hockey player turns he goes no (laughs) which I was like laughing hysterically at this just because it was just so absurd but so like 80s Nike just I don't want to say stupid but stupid oh that was the beginning of their whole like cross training um series of uh, tennis shoes because and, he did two sports he was a two-sport athlete and so it showed kind of like hey he can do it and he's wearing these shoes and i mean it's a really good marketing tool if you're marketing these shoes towards being able to do different things like running and playing basketball or whatever and so they kept showing the print ad too and it was him in like every sportswear including like surfing and mm. All these cute things. He's just standing there all like a little cute and proud. Well, uh, the, in Nikes. The one picture that I remember is he's wearing he's wearing shoulder pads and he's got a bat behind his head. Because, I mean, those are his two main sports. But that's the mm-hmm. one picture. It's, it's very iconic. But I guess this really helped Nike. Their sales margin for cross trainers went up a thousand percent. Because people were just who, buying them. They were cool looking shoes. Because everybody knew who he was. And... Well, except me. Well, I also wasn't <laughs> alive, so very true. <laughs> Neither of us were alive. Nope. So, um, they also mentioned that he kind of made Nike part of popular culture, like really brought Nike into the forefront of people's minds, and nope. like it also was at the time because Michael Jordan was part of Nike mm-hmm. with the Jordans and everything. And if Nike's putting a person forward, that means something like they're a star athlete that you should be watching. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was super popular and for, for that. And then, um, tech mobile came out, which and, is a uh, video game. Yeah. It was, was this really game. cute little thing. They were playing it on the screen and it was so cute. They're just like running the little guy around, but yeah, it was 1989 tech mobile. It was basically a football game. And I mean, Bo Jackson was unstoppable in the football games. You would, you, you would get be the Raiders. You would, you would get the ball and you'd run basically backwards towards your own end zone on one side. And everybody was super slow to come try and tackle you that you just run all the way to the other sideline and run down the sideline and nobody could tackle you and you'd score every time. And I mean, it was cheating if you played, if you were the Raiders, mm-hmm. but they just, this is kind of like the weird part of the documentary where they're just kind of like talking about all the different things he was in. And then mm-hmm. like, Oh, he was just this humble, quiet man, which honestly, like, I don't know if people would be like that now because he was like the first multimedia sensation for being a superstar athlete at two sports. Yeah, especially at two sports. I mean, they he had his own TV show, and it was he did? it was called Pro Stars, and Wayne Gretzky, and Michael Jordan, and Bo Jackson fought crime. It what? Was, it was animated. Oh, was it the? That was it the was, cartoon thing that they showed. It was animated, oh but gosh. except none of them did their own voices. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it was literally like he was a superhero to kids and adults alike. Yep, and so 
Like, and this is just when cable TV was starting to, which they mentioned was like a big deal because everyone was seeing this happen. Even the stuff that didn't sound or seem real was happening. Like he, in July of 1990, he ran, during baseball season, he ran up a wall. Yep. Literally ran up a wall yeah, the, he, to catch a ball. Oh, no, not to catch it. He said he was running to it, he caught it, and he turned around, and the wall was right there. And he didn't want to stop and run into it and get hurt, because, I mean, those walls are pretty hard, and so... This fool he, is just, like, he always just, thinking about not getting hurt. He just, I mean, it's one of the other, the one of the other images that everybody knows is him catching the ball, running up the wall, and he throws it back in the infield, and everybody, he does it like it's no big deal, and mm-hmm. everybody else is staring at him like dude what did you just do and the thing is that like they mentioned this because i was starting to get really nervous because like this is like superhuman abilities is that they're like the doctors checked him out he was not on anything which was i was thinking that was the shoe that the shoe that was gonna drop was oh he's one of the first like big super athletes that was on steroids or supplements or something there's a lot of there's a lot of shoes that you're waiting for to drop you thought he was you thought i he thought died. he was gonna die you like at the beginning they steroids. showed him and i was like oh thank god this man is alive well they didn't use the greatest language at the they beginning they, they said was. oh they said oh he was great he was great he was great and then they said and then he just dropped off the face of the earth and then he and then they showed him kind of now, and he picked his head up, and she was like, oh my god, thank god he's still alive. I He was literally <laughs> listening to me from the other room, and I, I was stressing out the entire time, because I literally was like, I love this man. I said it earlier, I love this man, he sounds fantastic, and he's just, he kept building up more and more as a fantastic being. Like, I feel like I was getting to know him like the world got to know him, but like, quicker, and I'm wondering if back in the day people were like, okay, but what's what's the real thing? What's the real issue? Yeah, and so I mean, for a couple of years he played baseball and football, and he was one of the, one of the only people to go to the All Star game for baseball and go to the Pro Bowl for football. And mm-hmm. I mean, he he did both for, I mean, a number of years, but not a ton of years is no. the thing. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, he just, they kept saying he was just a blessed and talented man. Yep. So we get to, I guess we could talk about the towards get, the end. Him getting hurt. <sighs> this killed yep. me. I, so January 13th, 1991, he's obviously playing football. Keep in mind, he is 28 years old at this time. It's a playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Those are tigers. Tigers. <laughs> no, it's the Bengals. I was right. I was telling you Bengals are tigers. I know the Bengals are tigers. You can also tell because their helmets have the tiger stripes on them. You're right. It's very helpful. Yeah, so um, he was running down the sideline. He also was not feeling 100% at that game is what he said. Yeah, and so he's running down the sideline. It was kind of a routine tackle. He said guy kind of just drug him down. I mean, you see that tackle a thousand times like a season. Yeah. And the guy kind of planted one of his legs and then he 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 said he was still running and he said the force of his or they said the force of his legs basically popped his hip out and so that was he fell to the ground and then he said he rolled over and popped his hip back in which i almost threw up just hearing about that because 
Yep. And I cannot. so they said that when they popped it back in, it damaged the blood vessels supplying blood to his hip. He literally said it was a 25 out of 10 on a pain scale. Nope. Which this man is probably getting hit or almost getting hit daily in football. I don't know because no one could catch him. Yeah, and so and then... he, he had looked up in the stands for his wife because she was worried and gave her a thumbs up like, I'm okay. And he was like, I am not okay. <laughs> yeah, and so they found out that he had he did have a fracture in one of his hip bones. And then they also said he had chondrolosis con chondrolysis and which is the layer of cartilage that kind of protects Mm -hmm. your hip joint that it was gone because the artery that was severed when it was popped back in like that was the blood that was going to the cartilage the cartilage died in his and he had internal bleeding and this man was suffering for months actually after this and so which he, is just so sad. Like he wasn't. People were expecting him to come back and play, and they're waiting. He's still out, still out, still out. And he was trying to get back into baseball season, and was kind of like, I don't know if I can. Well, he retired from the NFL after that. He was kind of done playing football. Yeah. And then he ended up having to. Um, he, need, he needed a hip replacement. Yeah, so he wanted he wanted to he wanted to keep playing baseball. So he ended up going going to the White Sox. Well, and then first the Kansas City Royals let him go before yeah, Kansas City Royals um, let him he go. He got his hip replacement and he walked out on crutches and said, "Oh, I'll be back." Yep. And so then he went to the White Sox and then he missed the whole after 19- his hip replacement. He went to the whole he missed the whole 1992 season after uh, getting his hip replaced and rehabbing mm-hmm. it back and. He and just, they he said came... he was working five days a week and doing just crazy stuff like shooting bows and arrows with his feet yeah, but and getting bullseyes. He was never kind of the same. And he definitely didn't have the power or speed that he used to be able to have. Well, and what was sad too is that his, during that time, like his mom also got cancer, yeah. which obviously was super hard on him. He was very close with his mom. And he said that before she died, she was like, oh, are you going to go back and play? And he was like, yeah, if I, like, work hard and, like, rehab, I'm going to go back and play. And um, he said that he would dedicate the first ball that he hit back in to her. And he was able to actually give his first ball that he hit back to her. He hit his first home home run, and everyone was just excited to see him back because Mm -hmm. everyone loved this guy. And he gave his mom the ball before she died. At least that's what it sounded like. That's what he said. And then, so he um, ended up going to the Angels in 94. Oh. And then he, um, that season got cut short because of the, uh, the strike for the baseball um, there was a, season. There was a baseball strike? There was a baseball strike. Kind of like the football one with the replacements and all that. Oh, I love that movie. Um, but um, he decided to retire after that. And the uh, he was 32 years old. And so, yeah, he retired in 1995. And now, they, like, pan to him now, which this 30 for 30 was made a few years, several years ago. Several years ago. Um, He has this gorgeous house outside of Chicago, like, kind of, like, in the country. And he makes arrows in his man cave while his wife watches football. Hmm. And he's an avid hunter, and it said that he eats the meat and keeps the trophies or he donates it like just a sweet man (laughs) he had that giant buffalo head oh my god that was was and he named them that was what was weird yeah but people 
call him like a what if story like what if he never got injured what would he have done what would like would he be the greatest one of all time like i mean i i i would say if he didn't get hurt i mean he probably could have gone on for years many more years he might not have been able to play both of them for too much longer i mean because obviously both sports they're going to take a toll Mm -hmm. on your body but he he may have less yeah he may have been much better at one and then he could have kept playing and who knows what would have happened they said that at the time he was the only player ever selected for both the um all-star team and the nfl pro bowl I already, I already said that. You did? I'm I, so sorry. I, I, I did. <laughs> um, but what was weird is, and I don't know if this is still true, is that um, he's not in the Hall of Fame for either. He is not. Which is bullshit. And, like, I, the documentary ended with that fact, and I was pissed. Oh, well, he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. But the... Mm, I mean, for the, he for the years that he played the, the other at two. Auburn. He's fantastic and a sweet man and should be... Um, oh. in the Hall of Fame for the NFL and the Major League Baseball. It's been plenty of years. Oh, he only played eight years for the... I don't care how long he eight, played. Eight baseball years, and he only played, what, three football years? But in that short amount of time, he was the best player. Yeah, but, that I mean, normally, Hall of Fame, you go with statistics and not and how much everybody loves you. And he was fantastic, and you love him. Yeah, that's not how that that's works. That's how it should work. Yeah, definitely not how that works. That's stupid. Anyways. So, yeah. that's the end of the documentary. So, now we're on to our little sports news minute of just, like, the latest news from yeah. the past few days. Yeah, I wrote down a couple things. Um... Well, yesterday was the Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz fight. I know you at hate, the time of recording. I know you hate Jake Paul. Ugh. And there's and, there's personal reasons why I don't like him, and I it's mean, because I, he's I will say, not a good person. I will say that, I mean, he knows how to market himself. He markets I mean, himself like a bad guy, which he fine, definitely does. Whatever, but he, but he doesn't how, have to be a bad person to do that. No, he definitely doesn't. But he definitely knows how to get people to talk about him. And, and we're talking and, about him right now. Let's just stop talking. Him and his brother. But well, I mean, mm-hmm. I I like I like Nate Diaz, and I I wanted to watch the fight, and we ended up going out before the, um, <laughs> we ended up going out with a couple friends before we um before the fight happened, so I didn't get to watch it, but I kind of watched the replays, and um then so Paul Jake Paul won, and by unanimous decision. What does that mean? Just like they decided he was better. Oh, the the ju- there's judges for fights. And so they score by this round. This is not ice dancing. They score by round. And so if you win the first round, you get so many points. And then the other person gets less points. And then, then so every round, it kind of adds up in, into a total. And so, I mean, he ended up winning by unanimous decision. And then uh, after the fight, he said that he won that one. And he wants to go back and fight Nate again. But he wants to do it in Nate's world, which is... MMA, UFC type thing. What did they fight in last night? Boxing. Okay. Yep, they only did boxing because that's what Jake Paul does. And I mean, I have so. an idea. Can he not? <laughs> um. Anyways, <laughs> the um. Sorry, I just don't like him, and I feel like I should make that opinion known. Yep. And so we're the, not we're not Jake Paul fans. And so then the U.S. Women's National Team soccer team. The, okay. They're in the World Cup. And Yay! Um, they lost to Sweden. No! 
And so the they were tied. We zero, love women. They were tied zero zero at the end of regulation. So they went to penalty kicks. And end of regulation. What does that mean? End of the game. Okay, and so they were tied in z- zero zero. Correct. And they're like, oh, we have to keep playing because it's a World Cup. Yes, because we, some, we because... just we finished Ted Lasso recently, so I know like a smidgen on football or soccer so somebody has to win in world cups and so they either play like an overtime period then once um um the overtime period's over if nobody is still won then they go to penalty kicks okay um which are just like ball gets put on that dot that's right in front of the goal i played soccer once when i was six so there's a (laughs) there's a dot that goes i don't know how far it is away it's like 10 yards away explain this to me like i'm five okay so there's the goalie, and he stands in front of the goal. Thank you, I know and that. And then there's a dot in front of the goal. Okay. And then the ball goes on the dot. Okay. And then the one person is there go- a tee there? No, nope. no, it's soccer. <laughs> one one person runs up and kicks the ball, and they try and make it in. And then the each each team gets like five each, something like that. Five and so, kicks. Yeah, and so it's five different in a people. row. It's five different people. They go back and forth. Oh. And so. Um, I believe the... Do you get to pick who kicks? Or is it yeah. just like... So you pick you pick the five people who kick. And so they... Uh, um, it was three to two. And I believe the one of the U.S. women, they missed theirs. And um, I think it was Abby Wambach. And they said she hasn't missed a penalty kick in club soccer or U.S. women's oh, national team soccer. Like, ever. My heart. And so... Um, That's just a terrible time to lose it. Then they showed... Then they showed how much um, Sweden won by. And it's because their final one that they won on... Um, it, they said they won by millimeters. And I'm going to show you the picture of the replay. Or not, also, if not you're of hearing replay. some weird snorting noises, it's our dog. Yeah, we have a dog and three cats. And so if you hear any kind of weird noise, Heather has a problem. No, it's <laughs> it's our dog. No, our dog is a Frenchie and she's very loud. So I'm going to show you the picture of the Pamper. ball. So okay. that white line is the goal line. And okay. the whole ball has to cross the goal line. Okay. And then it got to that point, and Ooh. then it was saved. <gasps> and so there is a little sliver of blue in there. That that's how much the U.S. They, women they lost by. Should have had a re-kick. Oh, that's the that's why they have the replay. And so. But that's using human eyes. You should have a re-kick. No, well, they they use technology. Yeah, and so. I'm upset. Oh, and so the U.S. Sweden. US I mean, the lost gr- oh. and Sweden won. I mean, they look happy. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. We love women, but... And so that was the first loss by the U.S. women's national team since 2011 title game against Japan. Oh, honey. They've won the 2015 and 2019 World Cups, the last two. I knew that they won, I think, the 2019 one. Yep. I think I knew that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the rest of it because, to be honest, I don't pay attention until now when... Yep. I am now forced to pay attention to sports, which is why we're doing this podcast. (laughs) And um, not too much more. It's after the All-Star break in baseball. I mean, we've got another couple months. What do you mean a break? Like, they have, like, a... There's, like, a week-long break where they do all the the All-Star activities, and so nobody plays during the All-Star. Is there ever a day without sports? I feel like not. Uh, No. And so... (laughs) um, but the I'm a Oakland Athletics fan, and they are in dead last. They've won 32 games as of today. I thought you were a Dodger fan. No, Dodgers suck. You loved the Dodgers like two years ago. No, 
Um, but the A's are this not. Man. The A's are not very good, and that sucks. We but love them. Don't move them. It's the. Don't move the A's. It's don't the, move the A's. It's the off season for hockey, basketball, and football. USA basketball starting because the the FIBA World Championship is in a couple weeks. The who championship? FIBA World Champ. Remember those old? No, never mind. Um, remember those things from a sport. Yeah. Yes, I remember things from a sport. Michael Jordan? No. Um, oh, there's like the Olympic Shaq. team. There's the Olympic teams. And then there's also like... There's s- something besides the Olympics? Yep, yeah, it's called the FIBA World Championships. Um, This is just a fun fact for everybody. I've never watched the Olympics. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. Um, but My family's not a sport family. And clearly, Jeff, my husband's family, is a sport family, if you could not tell. And so, I mean, there's not much going on. Football starts soon. I'm excited that of course I mean, you a couple are. weeks there was already a game on Thursday that we missed because I had my meeting. For he had his coaching, football meeting coaching for meeting. his football. And so, but there, there was a pre the Hall of Fame game. The Browns beat the Jets. <gasps> the Browns! But nobody, but nobody cares. I know no because, one likes the Browns. Well, no, nobody cares because it's preseason. Oh, so I always root for an underdog. Like, remember when I was really into the Bengals? I do. <laughs> and then they lost the Super Bowl. I know, and I was really sad. But, I mean, that's kind of the last thing we got. Yeah. So, thanks for listening to this Sports Nut and Sports Butt <laughs> on Just Talk About Random Stuff. We'll, we'll see you. We'll, you'll hear us next time on Dumb Athletics. See ya. See you later. Yeah.